Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Fred, has bled with my razor named John Moxley Moreland. How you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, it's a lovely day out, and uh, I've, I've joined BCC um, of the Mach 3 variety uh, because I'm an oaf that has no coordination. How are you? I'm good. Um, a lot of Vikings news last couple days, which is good because... The Vikings don't really do anything in June. So the more content I get, the better. So I'll take it. Um, but you told me that you've got something you want to start the show with. Yeah, yeah. I would like to play a game with you. I've never actually seen any of the uh, the Saul movies, so I can't do the gimmick right. But uh, Oh, I can do that. I want to play a game. There we go. All right. So, um, so I've had this idea for a while, but I am now outright... Um, Stealing it um, from Bin Bin Bigelow on uh, on Twitter um, because, as you know, I'm I'm fairly obsessed with Cage Match, the the rating service, and have done various articles on it in the past. <laughs> oh, and boy. when I, I've had this idea for a bit, but frankly, I haven't acted on it. And I've, but someone on Twitter had a parallel idea, so I'm going to do my thing, which is uh, what Bin Bin Bigelow did, and he takes a. Uh, a well-rated wrestler and pulls out a poor rating that that wrestler has been given on their profile. And your job, Tyler, is to guess who that wrestler is. So now I want to caveat this. We are an AEW show. Is this going to be an AEW wrestler or anybody? Not inherently. It could be. It could not be. Okay. okay. Uh, as we all know, AEW is at the center of the wrestling universe with everything connected to it in some way. So really, any wrestler is an AEW wrestler, if you think about it. Uh, and that's why our first one is Luthes. Uh, just joking. Um, <laughs> okay. This wrestler has a very good rating on uh, Cage Match. 
He has a 9.10 with over a thousand votes on his uh, rating. Okay. However, he does not have unanimously good ratings. And um, here is a 5.0 rating on our professional wrestler. And of course, you must name who this wrestler is off this, this comment. I'm going to paraphrase some of this because, you know, I've got to get rid of his name and other easily identifying stuff. A lot of people tout this wrestler's combination of size and agility, but I don't actually see the agility coming to play all that much in his matches. He doesn't, I'm sorry, he doesn't leave his feet often. The size is definitely there, but not always accompanied by commensurate strength. He has a cool finisher, but not a fan of the rest of his moveset, and his character is often one note. That was a 2022 comment from user Brad Johnson 34. That sounds like Kenny Omega. That is incorrect. If only I understood German and could translate it. I could pull another one out for you. <laughs> um, um, oh, he, here's here's an interesting poll. Minoru Suzuki. No. Uh, our next wrestler, our next comment on him is from 2021. It's a six out of 10. For me, he is an extremely overrated wrestler. Terrible physique and a very simple and boring attire. Looks more like a security or a mid-card jobber. He sure can talk, take big bumps, and had some awesome matches in the past. That's John Moxley. Nope. Really? Really. We're getting into the sevens, which I consider actually a good rating. Uh, so I think this is all I can... Um, all right, here we are. Here, here's one more six from uh, last year by Team Canada 2.0. I get that it's blasphemy to slag this wrestler, and I don't even feel like I'm slagging him, but I think WWE had the right idea. He seems a lot slower in the ring and better as an announcer or character at this point. Still, he's one of wrestling's better actors, and I love him. He's just not the 10 out of 10 he once was. I'm so really stretching been... the... Stretching the definition of a negative comment, but so he's been in WWE. Mm -hmm. Okay, looks like a security guard. Was also in Ring of Honor. Adam Cole. No. Size, a combination of size and agility, according to one comment. Size and agility. Mm -hmm. Big Bill. Nope. Uh, no, this... 9.1. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I'll have to look up what he is here in a second. Uh, this is Samoa Joe. Interesting. Yeah. That was the game. We did it, everyone. Do, 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 do. Wow. Man, those comments are dumb. <laughs> uh, for the record, Big Bill is a 5.39 on the cage match. Let's get some new ratings up there, people. Big Bill's at least an 8. There's some really bad. Uh, he had, he got hit pretty hard from 18 to 21. So that's and really well deserved. Up. But yeah, um, maybe it's time to fix those ratings, people. It's Big yeah. Bill. He rules now. All right, but yeah, that's my absolutely flawless game that everyone loved. Um, the cage match game. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, I think that'll be fun to play on a regular basis, and maybe I'll get one one of these days because I struggled there. But let's let's jump into the news, Fred, because we have a, actually a good amount to talk about. Starting with Forbidden Door. Um, coming out of Dominion this past Sunday, two matches were made official. Kenny Omega defending the United States Championship 
against Will Ospreay. And we were wrong about who would challenge Okada, but we were right on the faction. Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada in what is presumably going to be the main event of Forbidden Door. Listen, I, I want to give Tony Khan and Gato a lot of credit. They had a lot of shit happen to them last year where they couldn't do a really proper build due to injuries, due to circumstance, yeah. yada, yada, bing, bang. But they nailed this. They got the top two matches on board immediately. They set the tone for the build of Forbidden Door. And you know what? If they don't announce another singles match, it's probably okay. Because this top two, woo, buddy. Incredible. Yeah. These matches are amazing. And, um, you know, fingers crossed that nothing uh, happened on, along the way, obviously. Because it is that kind of... That's how wrestling works. And we had last year, which was pretty snake-bitten. Uh, but, man, if these if these happen, uh, it's, it's going to be a great show. Oh, man. I can't wait. I wish I was going, but I'm not going to Toronto. Um, I just don't have the money to fly to Toronto. So yeah. that's that's fine. I'll watch it at home. And maybe if we're, if we're both available, we can do some kind of instant reaction to it because I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, hopefully I will be available. Uh, I'll double check my schedule. Uh, but yeah, do you? I was actually going to ask you, do you actually think Okada Danielson is going to main event or do you think it's going to be Omega Osprey? Because it's not the IWGP title, I think it'll be Danielson Okada. Because okay. it's a first-time matchup, which I think um, I, I think it'll be billed as a co-main event, but I think it will go on last. It's Danielson Okada. Like this is a you would have preferred this match to be like 2018, sure. Um, but Danielson has proved he can still go at an incredibly high level. Okada's in prick mode where his character work is better than it's ever been. And he can still go in the ring. He just, he plays it a lot smarter now because he's getting older and he had basically 10 consecutive years of go, 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 go at that high level. So I think this is going to be a tremendous match and it would not shock me to see Dave Meltzer break six stars on it. It uh, is definitely uh, very promising. I would like to engage in a chicken dinner bit with you, Tyler, because okay. I think that the main event is actually going to be between the two. It's going to be uh, Osprey Omega. I think they will close the show with that. Deal. There will be a title on the line. So uh, whoever wins this bet, uh, the loser must purchase them a chicken dinner at a uh, meeting in the future. I like that. Let's let, let's go with that. And we can, we can create a running tally of bets. So eventually I can have like 10 chicken dinners from you and I can just cash them in for like one Ruth's Chris steak dinner. <laughs> we'll have to check the conversion rates at that time. Of course. Oh, of course. Of course. All right. Um, I, that's going to be interesting. Note. Um, we're going to talk more about this build as we continue to go throughout the uh, dynamite last night, because there were some interesting things I want to touch on, but let's continue um, with the news here before we get there. Uh, we're just going to touch on this quickly. AEW Fight Forever is continuing to release June 29th, which we've already mentioned on the show. And when the show opens, those two little panels right next to where wrestlers come out, AEW Fight Forever releases June 29th. They're promoting it at the beginning of the show every single week, and they've done so for, I believe, the last three. Mm -hmm. Worth noting. Yeah, yeah they're, pushing, they're definitely pushing it pretty hard. 
Um, I think it, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of questions. Uh, I'm very excited about it. I've already pre-ordered it. Uh, I don't do that typically, but I am all in on this game, pardon the pun. Um, I, uh, but there was a screenshot going around of, uh, from the create a wrestler screen that said in this mode, you can create your own unique wrestlers. You can also modify the entrances and attire of AEW wrestlers. One piece of advice, newly created wrestlers won't be strong enough to compete with established talent. You'll want to train them first in road to elite. So that'll mm. be very, that's very interesting because, um, I don't want to turn this into a full-blown gaming podcast, uh, but that does kind of imply that every CAW you make, um, you're going to have to level up so that they can put on a fight with you know the top of the card guys in AEW like Omega. And uh, if you're you know if you're going to make have like 50 creator wrestlers downloaded, like that's going to be a, a, an issue. Um, if you, so, hopefully that is a that is not actually how they're going to work that, but something to keep an eye on if you care about the video game. Yeah, um, I, I'm really excited for the game. I have not pre-ordered it yet, but I do plan on purchasing the game. Um, I'm just not sure what medium I want to go about it. If I want to do uh, digital or if I want to do uh, a hard copy, um, I, I still like having the hard copy because of how much damn space some of these games take up on your hard drive. Just those yeah. extra few gigabytes can make a big difference with how many retro games like that. Because I have like every Sonic game downloaded on my Xbox and each nice. one of those is like less than a gig. I mean, it, it makes it, it make it, it helps. It really yeah. does with your hard drive space. But this next point I find fascinating. Cage mats instituted a moratorium to re- prevent ratings on matches immediately after they aired primarily targeting AEW and WWE shows. The NXT Battleground show seemed to be, um, as Fred put it, the impetus for the change after the show was among the top-rated shows ever, shortly after it finished. Thank you. There's too much tribalism going on with these the fans of these two companies, and they're going after the other one's shows and going after their own shows, either rating them incredibly negatively or incredibly positively. And honestly, I'm surprised that this didn't come earlier because your opinions immediately after a match are oftentimes different than what your opinion actually settles on because there's like, especially like with what we call Fred, the live event bump, Mm -hmm. where All Out was, we were calling it the show ever, the best show of all time. And it's up there. It is arguably still the best um, American pay-per-view of all time, one of the better professional wrestling shows ever. But that settles, (coughs) excuse me, a little bit. Once you get that live event bump and that kind of high that you get from coming out of a show, gone. So I, I really like they instituted this. I think they should have instituted it earlier. But it, it's one of those things that kind of is what it is. And good. Let's get some real ratings on these matches and shows and not this tribalistic bullshit. They have tried other things in the past. Like, for example, they have... Um... They they uh, in 2021 they set up they set it up where new accounts had to uh, wait seven days after their first comment before they could put a numerical rating on stuff. So they have tried to address uh, issues before, but yeah, it's um, it's uh, you know for for this little site that really does offer a pretty awesome service. Um, uh, it's kind of unfortunate that they have to deal with this. Yeah, it, it really is, but. It- Considering how cage match is kind of universally praised and accepted by the wrestling media, I think it's good that they're taking an initiative to make trying to make things a little easier. And I think that's objectively great. 
What is not objectively great is this next piece of news. Um, the Iron Sheik tragically passed away on Wednesday of this week. Um, and I just want to say this because if if you're listening to this, please go listen to the flagship, which airs live Thursday night. If you are a super fan of the flagship Patreon, they do a tremendous job with kind of the obituary factor, talking in depth about a wrestler's career. And they're I know they're going to do a great job of the Iron Sheik, but I only have one thing to say. Hulk Hogan is a jabroni. Yeah, you can't trust Hogan. Uh, probably had a hand in this. Um, no, but seriously, uh, Sheik's, you know, obviously a legend of the wrestling business. Um, he kind of became like a mimetic internet figure thanks to his Twitter account, which uh, I think is pretty widely accepted. He didn't actually run at this point. Sorry to kill the kayfabe. Um, but yeah, um, he did make some legendary appearances on Howard Stern, uh, depending how you want to define legendary. Uh, and of course, was a former WWF World Champion as the transition guy between Backlund and Hulk Hogan, and continued to be a pretty major guy in WWF for a few years there. Um, before my time as a fan, really. Um, but I mean, it's obvious that he was uh, his gimmick was very much of the time um, as the anti-American Iranian, uh, especially coming after the Iranian hostage crisis and everything of uh, late 79, early 80. And, um, you know, that just all played uh, a big part in his career, but kind of a fascinating figure in that he was a very talented amateur wrestler um, before he went professional. Uh, and I think he actually got trained up in, yeah, he got trained up in Minnesota by Vern Gagne and, uh, you know, had himself... Uh, very solid career. So, um, you know, rest in peace to him. And uh, hopefully he, you know, his family's doing all right. Uh, thoughts with them. And uh, yeah. So I'll share this. Um, did you see what David Bixon's band posted about the Sheik yesterday? His I did not know. Oh, I'm going to correct. I'm going to correct myself real quick. He did leave WWF uh, in 1980 and came back in '83, and that's when the title changes happened. But sorry, I highly recommend you go find David Bixon's fans profile because he posted a t- just over two minute clip of him on the Jerry Springer show. And oh it's God! Great. Oh, I can't it's imagine. It's tremendous. Oh, it, it's so good. Um, high recommend you take the time to go out and watch that and listen to the flagship. Um, if you're listening to this show, it will drop on the podcast feed on Friday morning afternoon. It's worth your time. It really is. Uh, they do such a good job with these and they have so much history in there. Um, we can't do it. I can't do it justice. Fred probably could do a pretty good job, but I just can't. And, um, all the best to his family, all the best to his fans and forever Hulk Hogan and Jabroni forever, forever. Amen. Um, Dave Meltzer. Pack is returning soon after getting his nose repaired to breaking it in the best of seven series. They did a really good job of turning that into an actual like on screen injury and being able to wrestle through that good for pack. And I'll be honest, it'd be great to have him back. He's so good. Yeah. I, you know, the more frustrating part of pack in uh, AEW is just the long hiatus as he's had. Part of that has been, you know, obviously the uh, the pandemic, he was gone for a while because of that. And at other times, it just felt like he, he was getting a lot of momentum and then just uh, just uh, disappears, um, unfortunately. And uh, we didn't have the uh, 
you know, the notification about this uh, previously that, you know, that, that he was specifically out for this. It probably wasn't that hard to guess, you know, given the high profile nature of that broken, uh, broken nose. But yeah, um, I, I would love to have him back and hopefully I uh, hope he slotted in well and uh, be able to do some pretty awesome stuff. Yeah. Pack. Um, honestly, Make an argument he should be the one to beat Orange Cassidy for the title because Orange Cassidy beat him for the title. It'd be a cool little full circle thing where I don't think Pat got a rematch. Um, because I think the whole point of him dropping the title was so he could go get the surgery. I, I may be retconning that a little too much, but it, it could be an interesting way to continue to um grow that story and give Pac something really important to do, which honestly you should have anyways. Um Ring of Honor then officially announced the Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view is set for Friday, July 21st in Trenton, New Jersey. And I'm very curious about this, Fred, if this becomes a trend because Collision is now on Saturdays and that's obviously going to be Tony Khan. If he continues to, one, put these pay-per-views on Fridays, two, how successful will they be on a Friday night, and three, it's going to be fascinating to see how they end up scheduling this because it's in Trenton, New Jersey. And I believe they're in Newark the next night for collision. So it makes for an easy travel weekend for Tony Khan. I'm very intrigued to see how this all plays out, but we'll know because tickets go on sale this Friday and how the ticket sales would go on a Friday night. will at least speak some volumes. I can tell you pay-per-view, but the, the interest in ring of honor, considering how it's doing, with honor club and not having actual television and what, and the limited amount of features had on AEW programming. Like we're, we're going to learn a lot this pay-per-view cycle for ring of honor. Yeah. It'll be very, really interesting. Um, it's, you know, I, I have admittedly completely fallen off with the new ring of honor since the last pay-per-view. Um, and, uh, but I haven't actually I haven't heard a lot of talk about it in general, just from the people I talk about wrestling with. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see how they do. I feel like the brand has uh, really lost a lot of exposure since uh, it stopped really being featured on AEW TV on the regular. And um, I don't know. I, I'm curious what the pay-per-view buys will be, but we don't even know what the card is yet. So to be determined. Yeah, um, we think that we may we may get a Zack Sabre Jr. match um, with Samoa Joe, but uh, who the heck knows? Um, that could also come in Forbidden Door. That The pay-per-view is in such a state of flux, as you kind of said, and I'm very intrigued to see how it plays out. Um, let's let's continue on here with the news. Um, Sandra Gray, longtime wrestling seamstress who worked for WCW till 01 and WWE till 2015, is retiring soon. She's been with AEW since pretty much the inception of the company in 2019. And before last night's Dynamite, uh, she was presented flowers in front of the crowd by Dustin Rhodes and Tony Khan. Yeah, I think she uh, she was actually brought in by, um, if I remember what I read earlier, and it's entirely possible I'm screwing this up. Don't be surprised. Uh, but it was in uh, 1995 in WCW for, uh, I want to say it was for Diamond Dallas Page. Is that right? Um, it was either him or Johnny, Johnny B. Bad. Um, I'm double checking myself now, right now. So, uh, yeah, Johnny B. Bad, uh, first worked uh, on his gear. Um, 
around the mid nineties. And uh, when WCW went out of business in 01, she jumped to uh, WWF and was there until about 2015. And then she came in for AW start. Uh, Brandy Rhodes brought her in. Uh, I remember seeing her in a couple backstage videos like BTE. Um, and she was also on, I think, Total Divas some. Um, but uh, apparently she's just universally loved. Just a very beloved person. And uh, it's, you know, she's had a long career already. Uh, in addition to whatever else work she was doing other outside of the wrestling business. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I hope she enjoys her retirement. It was a very yeah, nice, uh, nice gesture they did last night featuring her. Very nice gesture. Um, this is probably the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, Jeff Jarrett filed a trademark for the term "heat." What a worker! That's what, that's phenomenal. What an absolute guy. Um, Odie agrees. By the way, he's as he plays here sleeping next to me. Uh, that's Jeff Jarrett, baby. Uh, how can you not love him? Um, but yeah, he. Um, we'll see how that goes. It's uh, you know kind of a question of if anyone will oppose it and all that stuff. So I don't know. It's uh, I have mixed feelings. I'm not a big fan of when people, you know, uh, copyright or, or trademark. I should say uh, very generic terms. But you know, it's, it's Jeff Jarrett. What are you going to do? And our last uh, little note, I thought this was very funny uh, and kind of interesting, uh, for the exploding super kick stunt that Matt Jackson did at Double or Nothing, he had to get a special license from uh, uh, the, either, I forget, it was Nevada, 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 <laughs> I can talk, in Las Vegas, uh, one or the other, but the, the special fire performer uh, license so he could do that spot. Um, so very uh, interesting note there. Yeah, I, I I just love Jeff Jarrett. He's he's the best. Um, Matt Jackson um, had to get a special fire performer's license for the exploding super kick spot at Double or Nothing because it's Las Vegas. That's not a surprise, and also because it's Las Vegas, I'm sure it wasn't too hard to get. Yeah, probably not. Um, but yeah, and that's uh, that's the news this week, I guess. So there you go. Yeah, let's let's talk about the show. Um, I'm fascinated to see what the ratings come in as for two reasons. One, the NBA Finals last night, especially not really drawing the the best uh, time to be in Colorado, considering the Nuggets are in the NBA Finals. But also, uh, Vanderpump Rules had a huge show last night of some kind. My mother-in-law called my wife last night and was talking about how it was a huge night in reality TV and specifically mentioned that and real housewives are back, I guess too. So big night in reality TV, NBA finals could spell a not so great rating for dynamite, but with forbidden door, maybe it's okay. We'll find out. I I'm very interested to see what this rating looks like. Yeah. Uh, the more concerning note I think is that the attendance for the show is pretty bad. I think it was like just under three thousand, um, and for a dynamite taping, that's uh, that's a disappointment. But you know, they only had it set up for four. I don't know if that was the initial setup, um, but you know, still, you obviously would hope for a better. I can't recall if this was um, the first time in the market, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be right back. Colorado, okay, in Colorado Springs. I believe it was the first time that they were in the market because 
they were in Denver. And being that they've been in Denver before, um, Denver is close to Colorado Springs. It's, I'm not sure the driving distance. I want to say it's like an hour or two because of the mountains. Um, but it's only like a 26 minute flight. I went to a wedding in just outside of Colorado Springs, um, back in, uh, 2022. And yeah, the flight was super short. Didn't help us make our connection, but that's a whole nother story. And, you know, being that this is the second time in the market, but they're going to a smaller area because Colorado Springs is more of a, a like larger city style suburb than where Denver is more of a metropolis. I think that's really important to note, especially when you're talking about attendance and the fact that the Nuggets were playing in the NBA finals, that also makes a really big difference too, because the Nuggets haven't won a title since they were in the ABA and now they're one game away from being NBA world champions. And I think that's really important. Um, but as Fred is taking care of stuff, let's continue. Let's start talking about the show. I thought this was a really interesting one because they obviously had the two main matches set up for Forbidden Door. They didn't do a whole lot to keep building that. And I thought they planted some interesting seeds, but. They also, there, there were no uh, surprises of New Japan wrestlers. There were no um, really talks of any potential other matches on Forbidden Door. And there, there's a long road to get there. So it's, and we did praise earlier in the show how they started the build to Forbidden Door off really nicely, Fred. But only doing the two video packages, I thought, was a very interesting idea. And there were no promos really cut about Forbidden Door. There were no challenges made. The video packages were building up Danielson and Okada and Osprey and Omega. And I'm not going to bury it because we have a lot of time. We really do. And the fact that we have our two big matches already set in stone this week, you can build two or three more matches next week, finish it up the week after that, and all of a sudden you have a phenomenal card. But... I did find it interesting that they really didn't do a whole lot to continue building the show this week on Dynamite. Yeah, uh, they didn't add anything to it, but they did play up the, uh, you know, they play the two excellent video packages they put together. And um, those are um, obviously a, a key part of what they're doing. Um, I need to pull up the New Japan schedule just to see what that is over the next couple weeks. Um so it looks like uh, All Together Again, of course, is tomorrow. That's their joint show with uh, All Japan and Noah, uh, which frankly uh, is a bunch of tag matches. So I hope you like that. Um, they're, they're, the one singles match is uh, Shota Umino against Yoshi Tatsu in the year of our Lord 2023. Oh, Shota Umino a win on a huge show. I'm, good I'm luck to you, it. Shooter. Just please, please. Have it be Shooter versus Bullet Club Hunter. I, I oh, need boy. that. The memes would be tremendous. Uh, and let's see. So the uh, New Japan does have shows on the 10th, 11th, 13th, 14th, 16th, 17th, and 18th. Uh, the 18th is Yuji Nagata presenting Blue Justice 12. Um, and looking over that card, um, I don't see... Okay, so Okada is booked on that, as is Tanahashi. So... Um, so I don't think that they're going to be coming over early for the card, but the question is, 
uh, is are they going to have anyone available for next week's taping? And I don't really know the answer to that. It looks like Okada is booked on the 13th and 14th. Um, I don't see Osprey quickly on these cards, so he could uh, become more involved as we get closer to the date. Um, but yeah. Yeah, how they build this card. Like, you can do video packages for a lot of these New Japan guys, and you could send an AEW wrestler to uh, do some confrontations at one of these Road 2 shows. I'm not panicking. I'm just a little surprised there's no additional build outside of maybe a seed planted, but we'll get to that when the time comes. Um, Let's go ahead, Fred. Oh, uh, I I didn't have anything really to add to that. I was going to try to come up with something, but I ain't got anything. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's, let's start. Orange Cassidy opens up the show defending the All-International Championship against Swerve Strickland. And this was really good. I I gave this four and a quarter, and I thought the most impressive thing was these two, one, worked really well together. And I loved, 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 loved the finish. Obviously, you know, Orange Cassidy is broken down, and that's kind of the story that they've been telling. Tremendous article from Jesse Collins on VoicesWrestling.com about how Orange Cassidy is telling the best story in professional wrestling right now. Um, please go read that if you not have the chance. But looking at that and how early in the match, Swerve uh, takes his hand and flings it up against the ring post. And then as he's got the roll up, Swerve grabs the tights first and then Orange reverses it, grabs with his right hand, which flung up against the ropes, but then had to switch halfway through to his left hand because he was selling it. I thought it was just a tremendous touch. I gave it an extra quarter stars just for the finish. Like, cohesiveness. Understanding how to continue to tell story. Orange Cassidy has uh, turned himself from a gimmick to a a tremendous wrestler on a national stage. Because if you watch him on the indies, and once he kind of shed the gimmick early on in matches, he was very good. Mm-hmm. He has turned himself into just a wrestler that has a gimmick and not a gimmick that is a wrestler. And I thought that was very, very well done. Yeah. Um, you know, he's tremendously talented, and uh, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think you can make the argument that he's been, like, the in-ring MVP of AEW this year to date. I don't um, think it's a question. I really think he is. I, I agree to disagree. I mean, I think he's very high on that list, but I don't think I would have him number one. Um, I think I'd have Moxley number one still. Um, so I think his work has been amazing. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he has been having a fantastic year um, and uh, just a great wrestler, you know. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's easy... I'm losing my train of thought. He has had a really fantastic year. And I'm going to be very intrigued to see that obviously everything depends on the last six months of the year, how he ends up in MVP discussions um, come wrestling or uh, newsletter awards. Cause I, I think there's merit to having, getting him a lot of votes. I don't necessarily, necessarily think there's merit to getting him the award. But being on the ballot and getting votes from a lot of people on the ballot, I think, I think is very warranted. I'm intrigued to see how that ends up. Obviously, putting the cart before the horse a little bit, but that just shows what kind of 
value he's had to AEW opening up these shows consistently. Yeah, uh, he's had like a bunch of very good matches, a lot in the four to four and a quarter star range for me. Uh, and I think that it's, you know, been very impressive uh, to be able to do that with a the range of opponents he's had and uh, circumstances and continuing the storyline he's telling. That's Will Osprey level of consistency. Now he's not peaking as high. And I think that needs to be noted, but just remember Will Osprey's year last year, he could go in and have a four-star match with a broomstick. That's yeah. how good he is. Output was on a consistent level. And orange Cassidy has been doing a very similar thing where it's the consistency is there, but he's not getting five-star matches. And I think that that's the main difference if you want to have yeah. that comparison. He's just so consistent, and it's so needed in a company right now that is struggling a little bit on the in-ring dynamite product, considering where they had been for three years. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I do still think that they are, they've been offering. I, th- I think the criticism's a little overblown. Um, now, I think part of that criticism comes from the fact that the. Uh, the best matches have almost have largely been contained within the elite BCC storyline, uh, because like Omega, Mox, Danielson, the Young Bucks, Claudio, like those guys are all in my top ten on the year in terms of match quality from what I've been able to watch so far. Um, with Omega being a pretty far ahead number one at this point, and part of that is the the New Japan output, obviously, but still. Um, you know, with a Will Ospreay match and the Vikingo match in AEW also helped out a lot. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, OC's been doing really well. Um, I think I've got him 12th right now with my stupid math formula I use off my ratings because I'm that kind of geek. Hashtag um, analytics. Yeah. Uh, pretend numbers for based off my pretend numbers. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I would... if. You know, if you had told me a year ago or three years ago that I would have had Orange Cassidy as a top 15 wrestler in the world, I never would have believed you. Look, Orange Cassidy has done a tremendous job and good on Tony Khan for seeing the vision because I still remember that Mimosa Mayhem match when everybody just called it just an abomination of professional wrestling. It was the pandemic. Let's, they were trying to be creative when there's no fans. How are you going to do that? Like, yeah. I think I think that got way too much hate. I actually think it was a decent match. It, it wasn't a classic or anything, but it was not bad. The match I mean, was good. Yeah, but it was a little. I mean, yeah. So let's uh, let's let's continue on with the show. Um, I so one thing we do have to note at the end of this was after Orange Cassidy got the win, Mogul Embassies, um, Gates of Agony, and Brian Cage go and start beating the crap out of Orange Cassidy. And I got to talk about Brian Cage's gear. He looks like he went to Spirit Halloween and got a really uh, shitty, like, sexy version of, like, the Flash costume. That's what his gear looks like. It's just awful. I didn't even pay attention. So, like, I just <laughs> completely missed that, I guess. Yeah, oh, it's boy. brutal, brutal, brutal stuff. But, eh, uh, he, looked, he, he looks superhuman, so I kind of get it as well. It's just... Yeah. One of those unique things, and I, I thought it was worth mentioning. But the lights go out, and it's Sabu. It's not Sabu. It's Darby Allen with his new tattoo, which um, goes up from his back over his left ear mm-hmm. and barely onto his forehead. Um, and it's Sting! I'm not Tony Schiavone, but I tried. 
uh, yeah, they end up saving Orange Cassidy. And I think what we're going to end up getting here, Fred, is some kind of trios match um, down the line in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, did you see the kid freaking out over staying in Darby? That was pretty awesome. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, kids rule and wrestling yeah. rules. And that, that this is not the first time we've had Darby, uh, Sting, and Orange Cassidy together. So this could be a consistency. Um, American Dragon comes out and joins the broadcast booth. Um, Excalibur reported on the uh, Danielson Challenge of Okada, and this is where we got that video package. Calls it a dream match of epic proportions. Um, Danielson had a great line. They say Okada is a once-in-a-lifetime wrestler. I'm going to prove to Okada for Bindor that I am better than he ever was. Oh, buddy. I am excited for the American Dragon Brian Danielson to go up against the deadliest catch fisherman, Kazushka Okada. I still love that picture, and I saw somebody floating it around on the internet again, of uh, the chaos... um, cruise because the jericho cruise was i think is on his first rendition so okada and a bunch of the chaos guys took a boat out in japan and okada is just sitting there looking like a dork wearing a little like paper pirate hat and it's just so fun civilian okada is just very funny every time i've ever seen a picture of him just happy okada just living his life i don't know why it's just extremely funny he just seems like a guy i want to i want to hang out with and go get in and out like he just He's a he feels like a regular guy who just happens to be a top five best pro wrestler to ever live. And like I, I can really a- a- appreciate that because when you are that good at something and become that popular worldwide, it can be hard to be a normal person. And he he's done a really good job of that, at least from my perspective. Yep. All right. Um, but the reason why Brian Danielson was out at the broadcast booth is this trio's match blackpool combat clubs john moxley roh world champion claudio castagnoli and willie yuda takes on and i think this is really important not the best friends chaos the chaos team of trent beretta chuck taylor and rocky romero and one this was a really good match they beat the living crap out of each other moxley took some gnarly bumps he took the strong zero um i believe he also took a straight pile driver as well that like he took a lot here yeah but what's also important rocky romero okada's right hand man it's best friend out to john moxley i give his four stars this is tremendous and the little touches of calling them chaos which is factual and rocky being the one to submit i think it it just adds little layers to this story and one of the reasons why i'm very excited even though I was a little weary about how they built the card on the show. This was that little touch I mentioned earlier that I thought was just so well done. Yeah, this it, was. It, it could be just be a throwaway thing, but it it's cohesive. It makes sense. Hey, I'm gonna beat your guy Rocky and just just add a little more fuel to that fire. Little things that the the casual fan who doesn't pay attention to wrestling like we do, who just wants to enjoy dynamite isn't going to pick up on. But when you do pick up on it, it makes it so much better. And I absolutely love it. Yeah, and Excalibur did a good job of explaining on commentary, and Danielson played into it great, too, uh, when he goes, well, these are, you know, this is interesting to me, the kind of guys that Akata likes to hang out with, I guess. I like to hang out with BCC. Um, 
just just great stuff from Danielson. But uh, yeah, this was yeah. Uh, this was a good match. I went three and three quarter on it. Um, pretty darn fun. It was pretty darn fun. Um, I I was really really happy with um, the wrestling on this show, and we're gonna keep talking about it. Wrestling on the show is good, and good wrestling on Dynamite is really the calling card. Um, so I. <laughs> I didn't really have anything on this match other than kind of those stuff. I Moxley taking a bunch of a, a bunch of big spots. I thought was one of my biggest takeaways that um, he he does that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, one note: um, Chuck Taylor um, did hit a uh, Wheeler Yuta with a pile driver. It was Yuta that took it, not Moxley. Um, Danielson. Just a tremendous line on commentary. And one of the reasons why AEW's commentary has become so good is because they pick up on these little things. And Danielson, we trained for that, a pile driver. We learned to tuck our chins in for that so you take less damage. Like, just great stuff. You, you don't need to say those things, but it's so good. And it, it helps fit the characters. It helps explain things. And it's... I, I, I can't say enough good things about non-JR commentary um, with all elite wrestling, I, I just there's some of the best in the business. Yeah, uh, Danielson's great on the great on the mic. It's amazing that this guy has this reputation as a bad talker when he's anything but. Uh, and uh, I love his work right now with BCC. He's he's just in the perfect spot for himself right now, and uh, great stuff. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Then we get. The Hung Bucks, Hangman Adam Page and the Young Bucks um, appear on the screen and they challenge the Blackpool Combat Club to a trios match next week. Uh, Page, Blackpool Combat Club, great match. Next week, we are in Washington, D.C., where Dynamite began. And if you remember, the Elite um, and uh, was in a trios match against the soon-to-be-formed uh, Inner Circle Um on that opening di- dynamite and Moxley came out and then we had the beat down uh, him and Omega where they destroyed a glass table in the back and they make a challenge to them for that trios match. Can you do it without Brian? Can you do it without, without Takesha? The choice is yours. And Danielson quickly accepts. Yep. Yeah. And uh, that should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. It'll be uh, probably a great match. And uh it should be another nice step in the storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's this is going to be a really good feud continuing. I'm I'm just really excited. Next, we had a video package um, hyping up um, Will Osprey against Kenny Omega. <sighs> I'm really intrigued to see how they end up booking this match and who's going to win. Because do you, you probably want the IWGP US title to go back to Japan so it can be defended more often. Um, I know um, Joel Abraham on the Super J cast on this podcast network was talking about how it's a little frustrating not having it in Japan. And I yeah. totally understand it because it's being on Kenny Omega is great. But if Kenny doesn't really do much with it, I mean, he doesn't really carry it out to the ring on a consistent basis. He's defended one time against Jeff Cobb which was a, a an okay match, but it just felt like it was missing something. But do you 
one of the things that after Wrestle Kingdom was Osprey talking about how if he can't beat um, Omega within a year, he may end up just quitting the business. So how they booked this match were fascinating me because you could make the argument, well, we should have Kenny win it, and then Osprey gets his win back at the Dome. Um, you can make the argument that Osprey should win because he should just get his win back from the Dome. Um, but it's also in Kenny's home country. And wrestlers have been booked very strong in their hometowns. The only one who wasn't booked super strong in recent memory, Ricky Starks in Austin, Texas, albeit an adopted hometown, but he did so much of his indie work in Texas. But he won the match, and then the heels got their heat back within the same night. So it was kind of a balancing act. They did. He kind of they gave him the hometown stuff, and then they ended up continuing the storyline as well. But what are they going to do with this match? I think is going to be fascinating, and yeah, we'll we'll end up seeing um, this. This card is just really, really, really interesting. Um, this next segment, though, Fred, we're, we're going to talk about was arguably the best on the night. That is MJF coming out to the ring, and he buries Colorado. Um, And this line was tremendous. When I was told I was contractually obligated to show up to Colorado, I nearly offed myself. Because quite frankly, there is not a more boring place in the world. If anyone knows about being bored, it's me. Because there's no competition for me in this company. Nobody is on the level of the devil. And that's when we get Adam Cole's music hitting, Fred. And Adam Cole comes out, and I thought these two went to war on the mic. It wasn't just them going to war on the mic. Yeah, I they, thought this was, this was good. It was very good. I, I thought Adam Cole, like uh, I know it's going to sound blasphemous, I thought he was better than MJF tonight, or last night. You could make the argument, I think. Um, sorry, an extended member of the Hungiverse uh, took a bump when they weren't supposed to take a bump. And so I was getting a phone update on the uh, bump takey. Fortunately, sounds like they're relatively okay. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this angle I thought was pretty decent. I, I and I passed out yesterday because I, uh, I dr- drove to Cincinnati at 7am for a hungry cat visit and did not get back home until 5.30pm. So, uh, just call me Ellie De La Cruz. Um, uh, but <laughs> Yeah, I, I like this segment. I saw, I, and I br- br- bring that up because I saw before I watched, it, I saw some people talking about how they didn't like it, and uh, I don't know. I thought this was a pretty decent segment. I mean, obviously, uh, some people. Uh, it looks like some people approached it from the stance of it's not realistic, I guess, with the promo off. Um, but like, I don't know. That's just an American wrestling trope. So like, I I just don't see a reason like. Like, it's all entertainment. You know, in real life, yeah, you'd probably get popped after two of your sick burns at most. Uh, but, I mean, it's pro wrestling. It's it's the deal, right? Like, no one's really uh, popping out arm ringers in uh, shoot fights, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, but I thought this was pretty entertaining. I thought Adam Cole came off well, which he needed to after uh, the, the, his last feud kind of being a bummer. Um, not particularly good, and MJ, uh, MJF did a pretty good job here, and um, you know, like a very MJF level performance. I thought this was, you know, easily the best angle on the night, but uh, you could maybe argue it was the highlight of the show. I thought, um, I think it's going to definitely be the most memorable thing coming off of this show moving forward. 
yeah. Some of these lines, Fred, some of these lines were just incredible. Um, that I, I thought what really kicked it off, MJF, because it they didn't really do a lot of back and forth. It was MJF, and then Adam Cole responded, and MJF kind of got the last word in. The, what was really interesting was, like, I thought Ring of Honor sucked, said MJF. Just as I was about to change the channel again, out walked Adam Cole. I was instantly genuinely hooked. And when I started training to become a pro wrestler, I got as many of your tapes that I could get my hands on. And I, I could totally see that being the case because MJF is, we all know he's, he grew up a WWE mark and Adam Cole is a very WWE style wrestler. If yeah. that makes sense. Um, I watched you become the hottest free agent in the world. I watched you go down to Florida and shock the system. Great touch. Um, <laughs> you were the greatest champion in that company. And that was undisputed a little wordplay for you. That was a mark for Adam Cole because you were that good. And he followed his footsteps, went to CZW where he won gold, signed to AEW, and I knew one day he'd make the jump. We'd have the rivalry of a lifetime. But then this guy showed up. What happened to you, man? You used to be the Panama Playboy, but now you're the Panama Game Boy. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> that popped me big. And he goes on to just, uh, just eviscerate him. And Adam Cole just rips him. Um, uh <laughs> And oh my God, my body. How can we not talk about my body? It's like I, like I haven't heard that one before because MJF did reference Vince McMahon not believing he had top guy potential. Um, but it's my body of work. Get real. You can't touch me. You want to go down that road. How about we go, both go backstage? We both pee in a couple of cups and we see who's natural and who's not. Oh, you don't want to do that. Like, just this was great. And at the end, Cole um, basically says, I, you know, I want like I thought that you would um you would challenge me and be be a fighting champion, but you're not like that. Nobody respects you. Um, and that he also says because you're afraid to fight me, you're a coward. And then MJF, I will wrestle you any day of the week, and I'll beat your ass. And this is what's interesting. Next week, and I believe this is official, world title eliminator match. Adam Cole versus MJF. That's fascinating mm -hmm. because it's a world title eliminator, which tells me Adam Cole's winning. Yeah, you got to think so. That I don't know why you would run this big angle and then have him lose next week. Well, I mean, they did kind of run the big angle with Adam Page, and then they had Adam Page lose that um, that elimination tag team match where Page tried to run the gauntlet, but he couldn't. Mm -hmm. And then he won that ladder match and got the shot at full gear. So you could play around with it, but that would also require you having Adam Cole win the title. I don't yeah. know if they're going to do that. Um, I think they will pull the trigger eventually, but are you going to take the title off MJF now? That I have real concerns with. Um, I don't think that it's, it's the time or the place, but I can be proven wrong. Yeah, uh, another criticism I saw this one was the uh, the you know it a lot of um, as I lose my train of thought. Cole's uh, promo centering on the fact that uh, that MGF is not respected backstage, and I saw you know I saw some criticism of that being a uh, 
you know, to Insider, but I, I took that as, like, part of MJF's character is that he takes every shortcut he can and as such is uh, not respected. And I thought it was far more of that than uh, than anything else. But that's just how I read it. Uh, you know that uh, MJF now has the third longest AEW World Championship reign behind uh, Omega and Moxley. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, Jericho's only lasted two pay-per-view cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Page's lasted two pay-per-view cycles. So yep. He passed uh, Page this week. So <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Um, at the end of the day, this was a tremendous segment. Um I thought Cole shined on the mic even better than MJF. And quite frankly, it's hard to do. But it's not like MJF was bad. This was just a phenomenal promo segment. Yeah, I think this is the best uh, babyface thing Cole has done in the company to date. So. And there's no way they could have him heel coming back, especially with All Access really focusing mm-hmm. on Adam. The, all Access focused on two things. that Mainly two things. Adam Cole's recovery and babyfacing Sammy Guevara. Yeah. So... It, it it's kind of accomplished both, but it's also Sammy Guevara. So let's see how long that baby face push lasts. This segment I found interesting. I want your take on it, Fred. The Hardy Boys, oh boy, and Brother Zay, so Isaiah Cassidy, were backstage, and they continued this um, storyline where Ethan Page is now the employee of Matt Hardy, and he made Ethan Page apologize to Brother Zay, but also says. Saw a lot of potential page and wants to make him a better man. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't care about this story, but if you can make me care a little bit about Ethan page and potentially make him a good part of this roster, I think you could have something here. I don't necessarily know what that's going to be like, or if you can actually rehab Ethan page to be a really quality member of this roster outside of just a match with Darby Allen. But I do find it very, very interesting. And I, I kind of want to see where this goes a little bit, even though I really don't care because it could mean good things for uh, Ethan Page. Uh, yeah, um, it's going to be interesting. Um, I am over this whole Hardy Page storyline they've had going for what feels like the, st- the entire length of the company. Um I really have not been particularly impressed with uh, Ethan Page's performances in general. Uh, he's had some good moments here and there. I don't want to make it sound like he sucks or anything, but I think he's fairly consistently underdelivered. Uh, the men of the year was a failure, uh, just a total flop. I think uh, his stuff with uh, Stokely has largely been middling. Um, I do enjoy some of the interplay with Matt Hardy, but there's way too much other stuff I don't like, but mainly Matt Hardy working matches that um, I haven't enjoyed. And uh, frankly, I, you know, I'll give him a chance because, you know, it's the last part of the storyline. They've obviously been setting this up for a while, but I just don't know it's going to work because you've got Matt Hardy, who is pretty well broken down physically. You've got Jeff Hardy, who's pretty well broken down physically. You've got Ethan Page, who can is not a particularly interesting worker to me. I mean, he does some cool power spots, and then it's... I think he's what people... I've heard some criticism of Brian Cage is, but he's a better example of it, of the guy that does high spots, and then just in between, there's no connection. Um, And then you've got um, Isaiah Cassidy, who 
is injured question mark but i mean i'm not into whatever his character is right now i think private party has been largely injury fueled but it has been a bust for what was supposed to be a super prospect team in AEW. um so i don't know there's a lot to to prove here um they'll get a chance to obviously with more tv time coming they'll have more ability to do mid-card storylines. Um, and I don't want to be like, you should do mid-card storylines, but wait, not like this. But I am kind of am. You know, I, again, we'll see how this goes and everything, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I just it remains to be seen. I'm kind of skeptical on it. I'm skeptical on it too, but I, th- I think taking this angle at least has me a little bit intrigued whether it'll be good or not, it's a completely different scenario. Yeah. Um, I can't remember exact. Oh, never mind. That's that is on my show notes. I completely forgot about that. All right. Texas Tornado tag match Jungle Boy Jack Perry and FTW champion Hook versus La Faction Ingo Bernables, Preston Vance, and Dralistico. This was good. Um, Preston Vance got a gnarly cut on half his face, and it looked like half his oh, face yeah. looked Muda scale. Yeah, he hit the mute scale. Oh, the other half just looked normal. Uh, Just a brutal, brutally deep cut. It looked like kind of on his temple. Um, And then Hook ended up getting a, I think it was a T-bone, through a table on the outside. Yeah. Hook's body was just covered in spots of blood. Kind of like, kind of like, you know, how a cow has black spots. Like, it was just kind of scattered across like that. Like, just that, like that, that's the picture that you should be looking at. It was it was gnarly. This was very good. It was very violent. It was fun. Um, and Jungle Boy gets the win on Drillisco with the snare trap. Uh, Jose, the assistant, um, ripped off his shirt and was going to attack Jungle Boy. And he gets his ass beat. Uh, he gets a Tazplexed by Hook. This is just a really good, really, really good match. Yeah, I thought this was another uh, four-star match. It's very entertaining. Uh and, uh, yeah, I liked it. Um, we got a little more serious uh, Jack Perry here. And uh, I don't know. I kind of wonder if we're setting up a Jack Perry turn on Hook here. I think we talked about that last week. But uh, they're going to build it up a little bit more before they do it, if they do end up doing that. Yeah. Um, I would expect that to come either really soon or they do a full tag team run where they win the titles and then – Jungle Boy turns like Christian turned on Jungle Boy right after they lost that ladder match. That that that's kind of how I see it, at least for now. Yeah, but this will be fun to watch. Um, AEW CEO and GM Tony Khan announced the first main event for the debut of AEW Collision, and it's CM Punk and FTR versus Bullet Club Golds, Jay White and Juice Robinson, along with Samoa Joe. Man. Tony Khan looks like somebody's uh, got a gun pu- pushed up. I have that in my notes. Doing these. Like, I have it, this exact thing in my notes. Um, it doesn't feel natural. It looked like he was getting better for a while, but now it's just like super robotic and like, just relax, man. It's okay. He he felt very much at home doing the impact stuff back in the day. And I know that was like a whole character and everything, but still, I, I didn't think we'd go from that to what these are where like, I don't know. It's like he's still being thawed out. Um, yeah, just very, uh, very robotic. Um, almost like he's frightened to be doing it. 
Um, next up, Tyler, I have I have big news for you, uh, which Uh-oh. is that Don Callis has rizzed up baby Takeshita. <laughs> I saw that tweet earlier, and I, I laughed. And look, if you don't know baby Gronk, good. Don't. It's I read an article time. on this thing today. It is the dumbest thing oh. I've ever heard of. <laughs> Just I I could just explain it to you, but honestly, it's not worth your time. It's no 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 no. Um, yeah, Don Callis raised him up, raised up baby Takeshita. I am very excited about heel Takeshita. Um, you could tell he's still a little bit uncomfortable working American heel, but I also think that he he's showing so much promise with his mannerisms and how he just looked like. Yeah, that was a waste of my time when he won that match. It's like too easy. But I'm very excited to see what this is going to look like long term. If this hits like I think it's going to, we have a world champion on our hands. Yeah, I think he's uh, clearly just like an absolute top of the card guy. Uh, it's just a matter of him getting comfortable in this spot, which I don't think will uh, take down or take too long. Um, but yeah, this was a nice little squash. I mean, it was just Takeshita being a heel. Uh, I think he needs this kind of match to help establish himself. And then we got another Don Callis promo. Oh, this Don Callis promo was great. He like the heat wasn't quite as nuclear as it was last week. I mean, it's never going to be that nuclear, but it was very, very hot. I've got something to say. Unlike last week, I will be heard. You may not want to hear it, but I'm here to tell you the truth about Kenny Omega. Everything that Kenny Omega has in his life is because of me. This is all Kenny's fault. Everything Lee has is because of me. Kenny beat Will Ospreay because of me. Kenny has been like a cancer in my body. What do you do with cancer? You cut it out. And me and my family are going to cut the lead out of this company for good. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, stuff. Not as loud as last week, but it was a smaller crowd this week. And uh, they made as much noise as they could. This was, for their size, a very good crowd, I thought, uh, between this this promo, and uh, they also had a good uh, reaction, I think, to uh, something else earlier on the card uh, that I am blanking out on. But I think throughout the show, they were a strong crowd. Yeah, they were. Um, this is where Alex Marvis knocks on Christian Cage's locker room door. Great, great angle. I love this. Oh, this was awesome. Christian comes out and says, Arn Anderson took something from him, referencing the TNT title. Now it was his time for me to take something from you. And by the way, your son Brock got you a very nice early Father's Day present. Door opens and a growling Luchasaurus is beating up Brock Anderson, leaving him on the floor in shambles. This looked like a fucking closet. It was yeah. just perfect. <laughs> just perfect. Um, um, it was the the right mix of like just silly WWE or I'm not WWE, but wrestling gimmickry with the door being slammed around, you know, and uh, also just Christian Cage being perfect. I love this. It was it was great stuff. Um, next we have the TBS Championship Open Challenge match: Chris Statlander versus Anna JAS with Daddy Magic. I thought this was really good. Um, this is probably the best I've seen Anna J in a non-hardcore match because she's had a couple really good hardcore matches. I thought this was this was very good. Um, yeah, I I almost went four stars. I went three and three quarters. I went. Uh, I I was not nearly as nearly high on this. Uh, I thought there were good moments, to be clear, but I also thought that like it felt very um, kind of disjointed at some points, and uh, 
It wasn't particularly smooth, which is not always a problem. I only went two and three quarters on this, which is an above average match for me. Um, but like three is good for me. And I was like, it's a little short of good. Um, so that's where I fell on this. I can't knock it. It wasn't bad by any stretch. I don't want to make it sound like that. I just thought it was, you know, imperfect enough where I couldn't get on board with it to that level. Yeah, it's... I'm just a hater. Just a piece of crap hater. You really are. and I'm an awful person. Yep. But we've known that for a long time, Fred. I mean, we've been doing this podcast for about nine months. It's been very clear. (laughs) All right. Jokes aside, let's talk about the main event. Absolute Ricky Starks versus Bullock. I do want to talk about something before we do that. Just to cut you off real quick, which is the Rampage announcement. Uh, On Rampage, they're doing a four-way where the winner will face Tony Storm next week in a women's championship match. It's going to be Britt Baker, Sky Blue, uh, Nyla Rose, and Mercedes Martinez. Um, And the winner of that will get the title shot. Um, I thought Tony cut a nice little promo here building that match up. Uh, I think this is kind of interesting on the kayfabe level as far as who they're going to put over. Uh, I haven't looked at any spoilers yet. I assume that they're out there somewhere. Um, but I don't, um, you know, I, I don't think that they're going to have Britt Baker win this just to lose next week. So my question is how they're going to keep her out of it. Maybe she'll get jumped by the, you know, by, uh, the outcasts or at least Ruby Soho or something so that Tony Storm can claim that she wasn't involved, but I don't know. It's very, I think it's interesting. Well, the one easy get out is it's a four way. Yeah, yeah. Rick can just take a like, um, get hit with a move, and then all of a sudden, boom! Like, I think it's easy to get out of it. I also wonder. I think it's too early for it, but there's a direction you could go. Is if you want to headline um, all in uh, as one of your main uh, attractions with Burt Baker versus Jamie Hader, I think you could do that. I don't think that's how you want to play the story out, but that's an option, mm-hmm. and this could be a pathway to like begin that. Um, I think it's going to end up being when you kind of look at the competitors here, I think it's going to be Mercedes Martinez because I think that could be a really good match uh, with how good of a wrestler both those two women are. And you want good TV matches on your product. And Mercedes would give you that more than anybody except for maybe Britt Baker. But you also don't want to necessarily do that. I don't know. It's 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 an interesting situation. Um, I don't think you could just have Britt lose the match clean. I mean, obviously, you can do the four way thing of oh, she's she can't quite break up the pin, and whoever else gets it, you know. And oh, what a frustration, frustrating thing that is. Uh, but it, you know, it's a little interesting. I think just kind of curious to see how that plays out. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to this main event. Absolute Ricky Stars versus Bullet Club Gold Switchblade Jay White. Juice Robinson and FTR are banned from ringside, and that will come into play later on in the match because the guns come out and hit their uh, flapjack flatliner gimmick that that kind of looks like the big rig, but it's not the big rig. Um, yeah, the, the and, 310 to Yuma, or, yeah. I think it is. Um, I thought this match was pretty good. It was built very interesting. Um, then, like... Starks got the Rochambeau on Jay White, which, if you remember when Starks came into the company, he did not come in with the double underhook. He came in with the gut wrench mm-hmm. because uh, Christopher Daniels had the Angels' wings. Well, Christopher mm-hmm. Daniels' transition, I believe, exclusively into a backstage role 
uh, with the company. And he has gone back to a double underhook. Uh, Daniel still was- still wrestles some. He mainly on Ring, uh, Ring of Honor. Yeah, but that, I'm talking in AEW. Oh, well, okay, fine. Yeah, I know. I'm being technical. All right, fine. I, I, fine. Technically, being technically correct is the best kind of correct. According uh, he to had an AEW match not long ago. Listen, um, okay. No, okay, you're right. going to hear. He's he's working the house rules tours. He was on Rampage against Boxley in April. Pat Buck wrestles on house rules. That doesn't make him an AEW wrestler. Yeah, it does. He's AEW. He's wrestling. What more do you want? He's been on TV in a backstage style of role where he comes out like as an agent. I'm sorry. They were just getting him enough experience to debut. (laughs) Pat Buck needs experience. Yeah, just give him a little shine on the the house shows. Shut up, Fred. Uh, One day he'll get to that Jade Cargill level. (laughs) Well, I I think it was interesting that he went back to the double underhook because he's not um, he's not a full-time or even really a part-time wrestler. He's just wrestling on occasion. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's likely why he went back to the double underhook. So I thought that was interesting. But at the end of the match, when he does hit the Rochambeau, coming down, Jay White hits the ref um, when Starks is hitting the Rochambeau, and that's when the guns come in, hit 310 to Yuma. White gets the Blade Runner and gets the win. And we talked about it last week. This is probably how they were going to do they were going to do some kind of funky finish because you want to protect Ricky Starks, but Jay White has to go over. And this is honestly the best case scenario. The guns now have something to do. They're a great little heater team for Bullet Club Gold. And Starks can move on to something and have really lost any momentum. Yeah. Uh, I thought I was kind of down on this match too. Um, Obviously, I'm just grumpy. Uh, But, you know, I thought this was... Uh, had a really good closing stretch, but man, that before commercial break period, like yeah. they did nothing. <laughs> they really were efforting to avoid taking bumps or anything. So I can't really be high on this match. I thought that part of it was pretty disappointing, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was good. It was like three and a quarters, you know, a little above good. Uh, but you know, I, I was, you know, another disappointment in this feud. I was really hoping that they'd put on a standout match and, this is what we got. I went three and a half plus. I thought it wasn't quite all the way to a four star level, but um, or even three and three quarters. But I did think it was good. All right, um, Rampage. Uh, there is a uh, there is that four way um, powerhouse. Hobbs will be in action. Um, the Spanish announced project is. I can't remember who they're taking on on rampage the, uh, the acclaimed i think the uh, the acclaimed and daddy ass and then yeah. big bill lee moriarty and ethan page are taking uh, why am i blanking i'm blanking and is I that don't right like it. yeah they're they're taking on a, a trio's team um i got the card here um yeah you run it down uh yeah bandito and the lucha bros there we go that's what it is Honestly, it should be a decent rampage. Um, not not like last yeah. week's. Um, Ethan Page wrestling with Bill and Lee is interesting, given that storyline that he's in. I don't know. Maybe they can make that sen- make sense in kayfabe. I don't know about that. Uh, which uh, which chopper name is better, Caleb Crush or uh, or D- Damon Ace? Who you got? Uh, is Caleb Crush two Ks or two Cs? Uh, both Cs. Damon Ace sucks. 
<laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Caleb Crush isn't good, but it doesn't suck. All right. I don't know. Well, they're both bad, so who cares? Um, <laughs> like, just the names. I don't know anything about the wrestlers. I've never seen their work, but the names are not good. Um, next week on Dynamite, it was announced the Mogul Embassy versus Darby Allen Sting, Orange Cassidy, and Keith Lee. So it's going to be an eight-man tag, AW World Championship Eliminator match, uh, MJF versus Adam Cole, um, trios match. Blackpool Combat Club versus the Hung Bucks. Um, and more will be announced throughout the week. That should be a fun show next week. Yeah. I'm I'm excited, and I'm guessing we're going to get even more built towards Forbidden Door. And I'm excited to see how that card shapes up. This is this was overall a good show. Uh, probably like a 7.5 out of 10. Good wrestling. Nothing bad. Mm-hmm. Really good promo segment. This feels what American wrestling television should be. Yeah, this was a very solid show. I went seven out of ten on it. Um, but yeah, it was good. Um, quick, uh, the 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 rampage uh, lineup this week is a hell of a step down from last week's. I will say that was the best rampage in God knows how long. It might have been the best ever. You could probably talked me into that. But uh, last week was, was Tony Khan putting his dick on the table and being like, "This is wrestling, baby." I still know how to book, and he did. <laughs> Excuse me, he did. What was that? That was what we call a hiccup. Tyler just exploded over here. Uh, yeah, big uh, big change in uh, show quality this week, but we'll see how it works out. Anyways, I think yeah. that's it for AEW. That is it, Fred. Anything else that you have before we take off here for the evening? Not really. All right. As soon as I get rid of this hiccup, we'll go. All right. You can find us on Twitter at hung uh, good bad hungy you can there's the hiccup again <laughs> i'm keeping that in there you can email us at hungypod at gmail.com you can follow me on twitter at the real forno and all my vikings work at the vikings wire run by usa today and vikings first in school you can follow twet on uh, fred on twitter at flagrant wrestling um with an r not a w because ted turner is better than vince mcmahon and you can also follow uh, his Patreon, which is linked in the show description, as is my a YouTube channel for Vikings football. Thank you very much for, for listening today. And if you're listening on the Voice of Wrestling podcast feed, please go subscribe to our solo feed, The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry. Helps us keep growing. We want to be number one in the country of Tur- Turkey. Man, those hiccups are... What a great way to end the show. Um. We want to be number one in the country of Turkey before we end up uh, taking over America here in like 10 years. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to my hiccups for getting a, a pop out of Fred at the end of the show. Have a great day. Take it easy, everyone. Hello. Do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography.